Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, April 27th. Sow seeds of faith where others have sown doubt. Well, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You know, one of the absolute worst things that's happening in our society, and God knows there's a lot of worse things happening in our society now, is this absolutely determined effort to make sure that nobody remains, how do I say, that any hero that we admire, that any good thing that's been done in the past or good thing that's been done today, we have to make sure that we try to destroy it. So that there's just like all hope is being taken away from from people. And you know, yes, this world is a mixture of light and shadow. And as Swamiji put it very eloquently once, just because there is some darkness in everything, does not mean that darkness is present in the same proportion everywhere. And so this, this strange idea has happened that if some man or woman has accomplished great things in their life, but they also had you know, weaknesses and failings, therefore their weaknesses and their failings are all we should concentrate on and every good thing they have done is completely nullified by those weaknesses. But where does that leave us? And also, where does that leave the individual in terms of having any capacity to aspire or to try? It's like, if we're not perfect, we're nothing. And since everything is not perfect, then everything is nothing. And, and a tremendous amount of what's going on in this society is that. It's just that people have, have, have no hope. They have nothing but doubt. They have nothing to believe in. It, it all... <laughs> I'll just I'll skip all the way to the end. It all comes back to atheism. It's if if you trace down every difficulty that we have on the planet today, it might not be obvious to you at first, but if you really think it through, it's that we are not people. People are uh, constantly insisting we are, we are not part of any. There is no such thing as a unified greater reality of which we are a part, uh, which we are parts of, is what I mean. You know, am I, my body, myself, my ego, my needs, my desires, am I entirely separate, utterly on my own, no one will take care of me, must fight for myself, doesn't matter what I have to do as long as I get what I want. Is that the truth? Or are we brothers and sisters, children of the same divine creator, am I my brother's keeper, is the happiness that I can give to others an equal a happiness for me equal or in greater measure when I take advantage and hurt other people am I actually hurting myself or are they t- totally separate that it doesn't matter you know and if there is a divine reality from which we all emanate then I am part of that greater reality and if that greater reality is goodness and unconditional love then my responsibility in life is is to express myself ever more perfectly as that greater love. And if 
none of that is true, then we get what we get, you know, and we have it, it's perfectly personified by so many national leaders these days who just, and business leaders, and and just go get what you want. What difference does it make? And it all comes back to there's no value except me, except materialism. But if they're divine values, if we are on a, if we are souls on a greater journey to enlightenment, especially when you start thinking of reincarnation and karma and all these other important points, and that we are descended from spirit, accidentally lost in a mud puddle, but as soon as we wash the mud off, our divinity shines forth. We are gold, gold, even though buried in mud for eons of time. As soon as the mud is washed off, is perfect, and that's who we are. And I mean, I say these things sort of half in my mind, wondering whether anyone hearing me is going to be convinced or not. I'm not. I can't convince you with reason. I can't. They're they're fantastic philosophical arguments that could be presented. But I'm speaking to those who have an intuitive awareness that this is true. And all I'm saying to you is, this is very important that those of us who understand this continuously, unrelentingly, determinedly hold on to this uplifted consciousness and do our best to help others also to have it. I've had the experience just because of the metaphysical life that I've lived and my position as a, a meditator and on the path of self-realization. I've been invited to be involved on a number of occasions when people were dying. And um, at the beginning, of course, I didn't know as much as I do now. But and, and then also others of my friends sometimes get called in, sometimes to help our friends, sometimes to help people we barely know. And, and let, me, let me explain how this is. Because of my understanding, because I'm not an atheist, because I know that we are all part of a greater reality and that death is just a transition from room to room, as Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many, in my Father's mansion there are many rooms. And we live in this one as this body and this life, and then when this body is done we just move into another room. That's all that happens to us. Death is nothing. It doesn't frighten me. I mean, I'm as frightened as anyone else of physical pain and so on like that. But death as an idea does not frighten me. When I'm with someone who's dying, I'm not afraid that they're dying, even if I love them and care about them. I'm not afraid because they're dying. And I gradually have come to realize from having the great privilege, I will call it that, of being present when people from different you know, maybe I've been with 15 people, maybe a few more than that by now. The one thing I have to offer, it's really simple. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of death. And I know that there is a beautiful reality that as soon as this person drops from view in this world, they'll be in a, in a, a place that will welcome them and that will offer them wonderful new opportunities that nothing is lost. Even the the, 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 the seeming loss of the relationships on this side, everything that's beautiful and true about it will go with them. It's never lost. This is the faith that we have to sow, not the doubt. And I, I was called into a situation once where, by the wife where this man had, su- had suddenly discovered extremely serious cancer and from, 
from being out for his usual five-mile run and having a severe backache, two weeks later he was on life support because the cancer had just, the unknown cancer had just transitioned to that. She knew he wouldn't want to stay on life support, so at three o'clock on Tuesday he was going to die. And so she invited me to be there. It was really quite an extraordinary scene. The, he was not he was not himself dedicated to this path, but I have to say I think he was a great yogi in disguise. Um, he was very philosophical about his death before he went into the state where they had to put him on the the life support. He said, basically, I've had a great run. I have no complaints. You know, just like, what did I expect to live forever? So now or whenever. And he had been unconscious, but he was fully awake. But you can't talk when you're on a life support system like that. He was fully awake. His eyes were completely bright and absolutely calm. He, I really honestly say, he and I were the only two people in the room who weren't frightened. And that's when I realized this is what we have to give as a devotee, as a, a person of light. We just have to give this calm faith that God is in charge. And we may have our preferences and we have a perfect right to express those preferences. We may have our fears and weaknesses and we should be very honest about them. But underneath all of them, there is this realization that I am part of a greater reality, that there is a benign, unconditionally loving force that is guiding everything. And my response should always be to reach upward, to connect ever more deeply with that divine loving force. I use the word benign and divine, that loving force. And even no matter what it looks like, behind it, behind it, behind it, there's an ever deeper truth that every saint and every master has always asserted. And everyone who does the proper experiment also discovers. So he was so courageous and so calm the normal procedure is to give a person in his condition a strong sedative and then to disconnect the machine. I tried to say, I don't think he needs any drugs. I think this man can face his death without flinching. <clears throat> but I realized that no one else could. Um, I mean, I've also been when people were disconnected from life support and allowed to remain conscious. And so I know what that process is, too. I've seen it at least once. <coughs> Perhaps more than once, but once that I can remember. But uh, it was too much. So they gave him a sedative, and then he went unconscious. I don't think it mattered, because the soul was so far from the body at that point. The body, what the body was doing was quite incidental. But fear, hope, faith, what is reality, what do we believe? I was... Um, I was in a, a, a gathering of spiritual devotees. It happened to be that I was in Europe, but it doesn't matter. And uh, I was dealing with a series of questions. And the name Asha is not the name that my parents gave me. It was given to me by Swami Kriyananda when I was about 22, 20, wait, excuse me, 24 probably, maybe 25. And I've had it ever since and I've used it. I've, I've given up any other name but that one. So it's, it's a Sanskrit name, and one of the people asked me, what does your name mean? Hope is what Asha means. It's actually a very common name in India. It's a Sanskrit word, and 
being a beautiful sound and a beautiful meaning, it's a very common woman's name. And I've always uh, been very happy to have it. And then there was another question later, and it said, um, could you sum up the entire spiritual path in one word? And I thought, that's a very interesting question. And I stood there for a moment, and I thought, and I thought, and I realized the answer was the same. Asha. The entire spiritual path is hope. Because hope is everything. As long as we have hope, then we have a reason to persevere. I mean, isn't that how it's often expressed? Oh, he lost hope. And they often say he lost hope and then he died. But that doesn't mean necessarily that he lost hope in this world. It might have been the right thing to surrender. But hope is what lifts our spirits and allows us to go forward. No, I, speaking of death, because I brought that in, he lost hope and then he died. He lost hope of recovery. So then he let go of his body. You see, but the hope that we want to keep is that death is not the end. And there have been many, of course, nowadays, wonderful stories about death and return or experiences where people who, who are close to death and subsequently die afterwards. I remember a story that I read in a book about a man who had just been very unhappy and very frightened on his deathbed. And then from night to morning, his, his complete attitude changed. He became lighthearted, he became free, he became very loving and very relaxed. And what had happened in his sleep, he'd been taken out of his body and he'd been given a perspective. And he, he suddenly, and realized is the only word, he suddenly realized that his reality was far bigger than the life he'd lived in that little body. And it was also, the realization was that he'd always known this, but he just forgot for a moment. You know, the whole lifetime, he had just forgot for a moment that he was much bigger than this life. And he said he could see himself on, the, on his bed and just see the whole universe, the whole cosmos around him, of which he was a part. And he felt the, the glory of that cosmos. And that this little life he's lived was just one little part. And as soon as he would done, he would just go into that greater reality and go on with his journey. And as he was explaining this to his surprised family and friends because it was such an extreme transformation, they asked, Could, can you see that reality now? He said, no, but he said, I can't see it. He said, but it's just outside my peripheral vision. He said, I can almost see it. I glance over imagining that I'll catch it, but it recedes a little bit away from me. That's faith. That's hope. That's joy. And the wonderful thing about it is, that's the truth. And we don't have to explain it to people in big words. We don't have to have even have great art experiences ourselves. But if we know in our hearts that that's the truth, that's our primary responsibility in every interaction, in everything we do, for the entire sojourn of this incarnation and any that may follow. So Swami says, sow seeds of faith where others have sown doubt. Joy to you. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.